if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome to the Bob France Authority. Sitting in for Bob today, Rob Walgate from the American Policy Roundtable. I'm going to let everyone a little bit behind the curtain of what's going on here today. Uh, uh, sorry for the laugh. I know I know it's not funny. My man Derek behind the glass is running around like crazy because uh, a little bit of technical difficulties to start the day. And... We're having a little trouble getting the sound into my headphones, but I know all of you can hear me just fine. But sometimes in life, we all think that we have that job that that we have to deliver on time. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Live radio and live television are those things that when the light goes red, it's time to go. And it doesn't matter if headphones are working. It doesn't matter if everything on the technical side is going all right because people in the car can hear you. People on the Internet can hear you and everything that's going on. So when something falls or breaks, and you know what, Derek, why don't you blame this on me? Blame it on me whenever I come in places. I planned on it. I have the ability to break stuff. So, hey, it's uh, it's on me today. But we plan on having a lot of fun for the next two hours. Uh, appreciate Bob. I know he had to make a, a trip today, and... Um, he, he's he's doing a little bit of moving, if you will. So uh, no, no, he's not leaving Northeast Ohio and nothing like that. He's he's he had to do a little college trip and a little college moving. So uh, we wish him the best today, and we I thank him for giving me the text, giving me the opportunity to spend a few hours with his listeners to talk about what's happening, what's going on all across the state of Ohio and all across the country. And I I want to dive in and talk to each and every one of you. And uh, maybe I won't be able to hear on the headphones right now for, for callers to call in, but um, you can feel free. My Twitter handle is at Rob Walgate. If you have a question that you would like to see addressed, you can feel free to get it to me there, and I will try and jump in and, and answer any questions you have. So many of the things that we've talked about over the past few months with our work at the American Policy Roundtable and the Public Square has dealt with what's happening across the country, what's happening across the state when it comes to coronavirus, COVID-19, your civil liberties, and everything that's taken place. Oh, Derek, thumbs up. I got I sound. The headphones are live, so I'm, I'm able to hear. We are good to go. He pushed the magic button. Love it. 
So that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about uh, civil liberties, how they're impacting each and every one of us. What does the law say? What does it mean? There's been a lot of discussion in the state of Ohio over the past week or two regarding changing the law. What would that look like? And we're going to get in today to a piece of legislation. I know there's been a lot of discussion about SB1, amended Senate Bill 1 in the state of Ohio, but we're going to get into a discussion regarding a piece of legislation that I think is a little bit better, and I think all of you are going to like it a little bit better. It 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 was filed with the clerk at the state house by a state rep yesterday, and um, it will be discussed, introduced and discussed, discussed, let's try that again, in session and in committee next week. So um, I can point you to the resources where that will take place. I will run down what's in the bill, what it looks like, how, how it will be presented, and how it will impact law in the state of Ohio. And I think you're going to see people on both sides of the aisle maybe come together and, and talk about this, hopefully in a civil way, and hopefully hopefully in a way where it's under an understanding. It's about what's best for Ohioans as we move forward and if we were to face a situation and a uh, pandemic such as this once again, as with every day with COVID-19 and discussion from around the country, I was just looking at articles and anytime that Bob asked me to come in and host, I feel like I prepare for about eight hours of studio talk time. And then so you don't get to talk about everything that you would like to talk about. But um, one article that jumped at me is from the Seattle Times, and they're talking there about an antibody test of a couple of residents that throw into question the timeline of coronavirus's arrival in the U.S. because now they're realizing that um, some folks out there had some lung issues right after Christmas. And that's been the speculation that, that it arrived in the United States far quicker than anyone imagined when we talked about timelines from February and March and uh, as far as that goes. So um, there's a lot to be learned, a lot to be discussed. Uh, personally, I can tell you this, it is my intention, my intention, I, I intend to take an antibody test. I know there's a number of places around Northeast Ohio that are starting to offer them. Uh, Trillium Creek Dermatology has been advertising that they have antibody tests arriving and they're scheduling appointments for Appointments for folks to go in, and you can take an antibody test to find out if you have that uh, antibody in in your system. So, um, you know, hey, what better way to start the day than a couple of callers? So, why don't we go to the phone lines right now? We're going to go to um, Vince in Westlake. Vince, are you there? I am. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Good morning. Great. Thank you for taking the call. First of all, second of all. Uh, been a great admirer of your work every time you're on the show with Bob France. Uh, I always enjoy listening to what you have to say. Uh, my first question, comment would be, how do we get more involved with your organization? We're tired of the elected representatives even not representing the will of the people, completely ignoring rule of law, completely, you know, just shattering our constitutional rights in uh, the practice, the free practice thereof, and just, it, it's frustrating. That's the part there. Just nobody seems to listen. They do what they want when they want. What's your thought on that as far as fighting back? Well, Vince, I, I, I 
appreciate the comments, and um, I promise this was not a setup call. I did not have Vince calling as the first caller no, of the day to get, been, to give, uh, uh, yeah, uh, to give a plug to the American Policy Roundtable and the Public Square. Well, just to rehash, the American Policy Roundtable, we're a public policy organization. We've been involved in that field for 40 years. We're a media research and education organization. We do, a, we work on a variety of issues, a lot of election information, a lot of public policy. We've helped draft legislation. We've worked on campaign issues. We've done so much, and people can find out all about us at aproundtable.org. We also have a national radio program called The Public Square, and we've been chronicling, we've actually called it the COVID Chronicles, over the last couple of months, our broadcasts have centered around there. So if people visit us at thepublicsquare.com, you can find out information there. We've also done a number of live YouTube policy briefings. We did one last night. And we, my phone was blowing up. The computer was blowing up uh, regarding our policy briefing because YouTube was having some major issues and people were talking about censoring and were they taking us down and what was happening because they didn't like the information that we were putting, putting out there. So uh, when it comes to involvement, I think you're going to see over the next couple of weeks, especially in the state of Ohio, the need for involvement to back the legislation that was filed at the clerk's office yesterday. It will be given an official bill number next week when it's assigned to committee and there's a session in the Ohio House of Representatives. I think it's important to back that legislation. Like I said, as we dive in deep to the show today, we're going to talk about what that legislation looks like. We're going to talk about what changes it would make and how it would benefit all Ohioans. So uh, maybe that was a long answer to a very short question, Vince, but I think it's going to be no. part of a process. No. And here's the important thing. Here's the important thing. And I think this is important for everyone to understand is it's important that we do this the right way when it comes to legislation. I know so many people would like to see it done. We'd all like to see it done. But the important thing to remember is you can't do it the right way if we want to do it super fast because it's not going to change anything in the short term. We can't put a Band-Aid on it and say, oh, wonderful, it's fixed. No, it doesn't work like that. We have to do it the right way. And the reason we have to do it the right way, because if this ever happens or comes up again, it has to be constructed in law for protection. We've seen civil liberties ripped from Ohioans on a daily basis, and we never want to see that happen again. So it's important that we protect those things in the law because I'll tell you what, the lawsuits that are popping up all over, yeah, some folks are going to win some lawsuits. The problem is is these laws were enforced, and by being enforced, they had a short-term fix, and that was the goal, to fix something short-term. Look around the country. Look at business owners arrested in North Carolina, in Florida. Businesses shut down without due process. So when you take all those things into consideration, and it happens in the short term, but we have long-term problems. So that's what we're going to be working on in our organization, Vince, uh, along with a myriad of other things. So really appreciate the call and the plug. On line one, we have Edward from Lakewood. Edward, are you there? Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I called about something other than what I'm about to mention. One thing I would like you to, to talk about, uh, other than what I called about, is article of the Ohio Constitution. I would like you to comment on Article 2, Section 1D, as in David. Now, what I called about was Article 1, Section 21A, and I'm wondering if that could be used to protect Ohioans from forced vaccination. Well, well, thank you for the call, Edward. Well, a couple of things. I, I think uh, when it comes to whether it's the Ohio Constitution or, or the federal Constitution, I believe 
this is my belief, we are protected as citizens of the United States of America in not being forced to take vaccinations. Um, they can't make you do that now. This is different than saying what an employer can and cannot do. I'm talking about an average citizen being told by the federal government, we're knocking at your door and we're telling you what you're going to put in your body. Now, some folks are saying, well, they do that with schools every day. Schools tell students what vaccinations they must have. Well, in some states, that is mandatory. But in the majority of states, I believe it's 46 or 47 states, and Ohio being one of them, you have an out clause. You can out from that. Your children do not have to receive the vaccine to attend school. You have a freedom of uh, religion clause. You have a right of conscience clause. So you have the ability to not give your children the the vaccine uh, here in the state of Ohio or any vaccine that you wish as parents. Here, here's the deal And it, as we go to break. Here, here's something to keep in mind. The best decisions for our families and for our children are made by parents. The more we work to yield those decisions, to trust the government to make those decisions for our families, how do you think that's worked out for us as a country, the more power that we've ceded to the government? You're listening to AM 1420, The Answer, the Bob France Authority. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Rob Walgates sitting in for Bob today. Derek and Marcy on the other side of the glass. Derek, how are we doing today? We, we feel better now because you were in a sweat. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm still a little wet. <laughs> Folks, when that red light goes on and you know that we have to be on the air and people are listening and there's no sound coming through and we were flying we were flying a little blind, but we landed the plane. All all is well. I mean, we have another uh, roughly hour and a half together. We'll see if we can break a few more things, see if we can get management a little fired up, get them down here yelling. Have them yell at me. Have them yell at the guest, right? That's the way it is. No, that was the plan. That was the plan. That's always the plan. So 216-901-0945 if you want to chime in today, if you have a question regarding what's happening in the state of Ohio, what's happening around the country in regards to our civil liberties, our constitutional rights, If what you've seen. We talked about lawsuits that are going to pop up and take place, and you're going to see that everywhere. In Ohio, there's been a few that have been filed, uh, one in Columbus regarding a bridal shop owner that was told she was not permitted to have her shop open during the, the stay-at-home order. Now, the problem was, as a bridal shop owner, she was one who would take individual clients, They could come in for meetings by appointment. They could maintain social distancing. They could have discussions. But guess what? The government was in charge of picking the winners and the losers. The government was in charge of saying, this business is essential. This business is not essential. And by default, when the government says that, not only are they defining businesses as essential and non-essential, they're... Labeling people as essential and non-essential. Is there anything more insulting than being labeled non-essential? I don't think anyone's non-essential. Those folks that are labeled non-essential that weren't able to get a paycheck, 
Was it essential they pay the mortgage? Was it essential that they pay their car payment? Was it essential that they were able to pay for groceries for their family? Do we ask, or are these questions even being asked by the people in control and in charge? That's what I think has fired up so many folks. If we would rewind the tape and go back five or six months, and you would have been told that in the state of Ohio, there would be an administration that would strip away constitutional rights from Ohioans, and it would be done by a group of individuals that have R's next to their name. And again, I don't label people as good guys and bad guys based upon what party they're in, because quite frankly, I can't stand either party. I'm registered as an independent. I pulled my party affiliation a few years ago because of the way that primary candidates were treated within their own party. I thought, wow, some of these things that are being said are even nastier than what the opposition says about these folks. And the bad part was some of it wasn't true. That happened again in this primary during the, well, it was supposed to be the March 17th election, but then the director of the Department of Health decided that we shouldn't vote on March 17th after a judge threw them out of the court. And then voting was extended, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the legality of that. Was that legal? Because our state law says the only people that can decide the date of an election, a primary election. Congress sets the date uh, for our our election, our national election in November. I believe it's the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November, I think is how it reads. But when it comes to primaries, the state is responsible for setting that up. The General Assembly is responsible for setting that up. So let's think about what we did in Ohio. We canceled or were told that sporting events couldn't take place that week before March 17th with fans. The governor had done a number of things, but then when it came the day before the election, we were still scheduled to vote in person. Okay. Well, then the governor said we're not going to vote in person. And meanwhile, in law, remember, the governor has no authority. 3701.13 reads that the director of the Department of Health has, these words are in law, ultimate authority in times of isolation and quarantine. Well, they didn't want to use her ultimate authority to change the date of an election because they knew she did not have the authority to do that. So they sent some folks to court to try and get a judge to side with them to say it's a health hazard. We don't need people going to the polls, even though the governor could have called, asked the General Assembly, not called them, but asked them to come back and change the date of the election the week before. He could have done that, but I guess it wasn't important enough. So they go to court. The judge says, you're not doing this in my courtroom. You're not doing it. And, and he gets rid of them, throws them out. It's 12 hours till an election day. When he does that, that's when the director steps in and says, this can't happen. If you remember, in that 24 hours, they said, we're going to vote on June 2nd. They said all kinds of things. They didn't have the authority to do it. So the General Assembly came back about 10 days later, and they extended absentee voting for roughly a month, five weeks, six weeks, whatever they did. So think about what they did. They changed the date of an election after the election was supposed to happen. What kind of legal precedent does that set? Where an election is supposed to take place, it doesn't take place. And I'm not advocating and saying we should have voted in person on March 17th. Don't hear that. Hear that it should have been done the right way. You can't do the right thing the wrong way. 
but the General Assembly changed the date after Election Day? You're telling me we trust politicians to make those decisions in the future? This is Rob Walgate sitting in for Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer, Rob Walgate sitting in the chair for Bob today. And Derek is smiling ear to ear. You you love that coming in. There's a reason for that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the reason for that. Um, every day, well, almost every day, Ohioans have been, um, let's think of a word I can say on radio. I'll just, I won't say forced, although you feel forced. Okay, I'll say forced to wait for 2 p.m. And the press conference with the governor, the lieutenant governor, the director of the Department of Health, whatever special guests they have via hookup. Um, And every day, people sit and watch. And we hear questions. Now, some people yell about those questions. Some people like the questions. But it seemed about halfway through these briefings, there was someone that came on the scene that I know has been a guest on Bob's show before that started asking questions a little bit differently, even even sometimes giving a little um, pre-context into the question, maybe setting it up a little bit. And that would be Jack Windsor from WMFD in Mansfield. And the first time I heard a question from him, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I, I said, about the briefing and he said do you know do you know that the guy jack that asked the questions i'm like yeah he asked some pretty amazing questions i'm like and it it, it and he asked some challenging questions and those are what should be expected of our leaders he's like well i've known him for 20 some years and i'm like well you got to get me in contact with the guy I said so we we're on a group text later that day and um and i know bob's had him on the show show before and we're blessed to have him right now uh, so I know Jack Windsor's there. Jack, how are we doing today? Good morning, Rob. It's a pleasure to talk with you and, of course, an honor to be on WHK again with your listeners. I'm, I'm doing super fantastic. How are you today, sir? Wonderful. And you have no no 2 o'clock meeting today. There is no press conference scheduled for today. I think maybe three days in a row off, correct? That is correct. A little bit of reprieve for uh, the administration and for the press corps and uh, all of Ohio. So the questions you're asking, Jack, um, how is it that it came to be that way? What what intrigued you? Because this reporting, investigative stuff, that wasn't a full-time gig. This is something that you've stuck your toe in the water. Is that fair to say? So, yes, it, in a sense. I have experience in the news business, particularly uh, independent news, local news, and uh, WMFD is a, a company that I've done some work with and for before. And as these briefings progressed, these press conferences, the station received a lot of inquiries from viewers, and you know they have radio stations as well that they and their listeners. And folks were saying, you know, these are questions that aren't getting asked and they need to be asked. And so I was able to, to partner up um, as an, a, an independent investigative reporter and uh, carry that torch forward for our viewers and our listeners. A lot of the questions that I'm asking are 
directly from them. Now, of course, we shape them a little bit and, and deliver them. But these are questions that Ohioans are asking because they weren't being asked before. And Well, let's talk about that. What, what's been the feedback and the response, not only from viewers, but also from colleagues that are sitting there? So let's let's paint the picture. When you're at the press briefing, you are nowhere near, not even in the same building as the governor, lieutenant governor, and the director of Department of Health, correct? That is correct. Uh, they are in the Department of Public Safety. I believe, and we are in the state house. And, you know, the attitude to me has shifted quite a bit in the past couple of weeks. If you've been watching these pressers consistently, I feel like uh, the press corps has really been a little more adamant and um, a little more uh, comfortable pushing back on information that in the beginning, uh, if we got it, we'd say, okay, thank you, you know, so much. So, there's been a little bit of a, a turning of the tide, uh, but the questions that I'm asking and uh, the responses that they're they're delivering are getting a lot of attention. And you know, it's it's a really divided state in some instances. There are people who are in full support of the direction and the narrative and, and what the governor and his team are doing, and then there are people on the opposite end of the spectrum who are saying, "No, we're adults. We want to do this on our own. Let us go." And there's well, some in between too. As a reporter, it's got to be difficult. This would be the hard part for me. It's got to be difficult knowing now they do a lottery system on who gets to ask questions, correct? That is correct. So they're drawing numbers, and you're, you're standing in a line. And for those of you who haven't seen pictures or don't know where the media is or have never been in the state house, they're kind of on that lower level of the state house, kind of near where the gift shop is. And there's some, if you haven't been to the Ohio State House, plug for the state house. It's your building. Get there, check it out. They have some amazing. Um, pictures there, a lot of great history there. I encourage all listeners to take that trip. But they're they're down uh, in in one of the lower levels there at the state house, and they're standing. They're social distance. A number of them have their masks on. But the thing for me that would be difficult, Jack, is is one question. It's kind of like the one and done. So so tell me today. Tell me to the, the listeners listening. I'm gonna put you on the spot. If you were to able to ask that one question, but you knew you had a question or two follow-up in your back pocket? Because isn't that what a good reporter does? You kind of set them up. Not to, We don't set them up to make them fall, but we set them up to dig a little deeper. And sometimes it's hard when they give an answer that creates another question that you can't follow up with. What would, what would you like to see that sit down your little, you, you know, you get to be Barbara Walters for a minute, I guess. How's that? How's that feel? That's fantastic. <laughs> Here's my question. We talk a lot about science and medicine and how it should be the data that drives our decision or our decisions from care or to policy. Yet to date, all the data that was used to justify a 14-day emergency order and lockout was spectacularly wrong. Why are we not allowing science and the actual data to direct our decisions now? Instead, we're still using bad information and emotion to stretch two weeks into eight weeks and counting. What in Hades is going on here? Yeah, especially when you look at the numbers and what has happened when it comes. Rich Exner did a great a great breakdown of the numbers in Cleveland.com today when he talks about the number of deaths that have occurred in the age range and what has happened. And we could have done a better job of isolating those people, protecting those people, and we could have done that from the beginning. Well, that would be your first question, but I know you'd have a follow Do you have a follow-up in mind? What would that look like? Well, 
so that's that's a great question. And and really, the path taken is the path taken. So there's overwhelming data down any road that they would choose to take, and that needs to be highlighted and discussed. So depending on you know the answer to that question, you just highlighted Cleveland.com, uh, and then the Associated Press reporter really dug in on number of deaths a while back. So we know that the congregate living setting, as well as our elder population, that that is a very at-risk population. And we knew that coming into this, and we haven't managed it the right way. We could talk about um, the fact that this virus we know now was here at least January 3rd. Early reports indicate that we will hear a December case today out of Franklin County. That's a game changer. So we're running numbers on that scenario. If this thing has an R naught of two and a half to three, and it was unmitigated December, January, February into March, the party's over. I, I think we need to run the numbers on, on those. But then, you know, you get into things too, like childcare and education. And if they want to go down that road, there is sufficient evidence to say, well, why are we going so slowly? And why are we claiming that we don't have data when we do? So depending on the path that they wanted to go down, there's ample evidence to say, wait a minute, just just hold the phones for a minute. Let's really dive in and have some dialogue about this. And if the goal is to be honest and transparent and, and use science as the as the data driving the ship here, why, why aren't we correcting course? Does well, that make sense, Rob? Yeah, it makes sense because the thing that I hear, and whether it's coming from a national perspective or a state perspective, is everything seems to be pushing forward. We're going to look at science. Let's talk about science and what it looks like going forward. The problem is, is no one's looking to the past to see how those scientific predictions have played out for us because that's what they are, right? They're educated guesses. And some would even say, Rob, they're not, they would yell at me for using the term educated in front of guesses because they have been guesses. So, and, and Jack, you know this, but for the listeners, our team at the American Policy Roundtable wanted to see those numbers. We wanted to see that first Ohio State model that they put out there when Dr. Acton was talking about um, the number that would be infected throughout the state, the dates. We, we said, we got to see the, we got to see the work. I mean, it's like being in fifth grade again when you can do a little complex math and your teacher would yell at you for doing it in your head and not showing the work. We we want to see the work. So we sent out a request, a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request. That's what we wanted. And the response we got from the state was when the General Assembly came back at the end of March, they passed HB 197. That dealt with election stuff. They had a ton of stuff to do. I believe it was a 375-page bill. Okay, it had a lot of stuff in it. And this that isn't to defend the lawmakers that it was 375 pages they shouldn't have known, but they did have a lot of stuff to do in a short period of time, and they got handcuffed by this administration. Now, that being said, tucked in there, in that bill, was an out for state agencies, and the letter's on our website at aproundtable.org. People can check it out. It's a letter from the Ohio Department of Health. And, Jack, I've shared this with you, that state agencies do not have to adhere to public records requests until December 2020 or 90 days after this emergency ends. And I know the first time I told you that, that someone slid that in the bill, I I thought your head was going to explode. If you would have had a mask on, you would have had difficulty breathing at that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, two things about that. One, the Freedom of Information Act is designed so that people can have insight into what's going on because we are 
supposed to be part of that decision-making process. We do elect leaders, but we have to be able to provide input and feedback and accountability. And so that really uh, threw me for a loop, particularly as it relates to if we're going to have to wait until after the election to really understood what, what was going on, that's a huge red flag for me. Since then, the second point is House Bill 197 was not designed. I think it was on, if folks dig into that bill, it's, I think it's on page 326 at the bottom, at the top of 327. They were using Section 11. And uh, my understanding now is that legislators have pushed back and said, no, that's not what that was designed for. And I understand, based on what I've heard, that the Ohio Department of Health and other agencies have backed off a little bit. But I will tell you, I have active requests in right now that have not been fulfilled, and we're three weeks into this. So we're still fighting that battle. And what we're hearing is, you know, we're short-staffed and we don't have, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I get that. But at the same time, look, people need to have the information in order to say to their legislators, yes, I support this or no, I don't. Well, and it's turned into a partisan battle because I'll tell you this right now. If this administration was all Democrats and they were doing this overreach regarding constitutional liberties, if they were doing this overreach in regarding providing information on models that they're running, these same Republicans would be turning over tables screaming and yelling that the Democrats are trying to hide things. I agree. I agree. And, you know, here's the interesting part, though, about the information. We know that it's wrong. Some people project that it's 2,500% wrong, and, and they're not wrong. So, you know, I asked a couple of really important questions this week, and if you want, we can we can dive into them. But in qu- questions regarding um, child care and the number of child care facilities that have had this pande- pandemic operation certificate that have operated the entire time that we've been locked out. The other question that I asked yesterday of Dr. Acton was about treatment and treatment involving hydro hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, zinc, vitamin C. And and these are some really hard questions that have data attached to them that, that, that they seem to ignore. Like I said, we can dive in on those well, if you want. But No, I appreciate the questions. I know we're headed we're headed up to a break and we've got to run, but I appreciate you taking the time doing it. And one listen, everyone in the state of Ohio appreciates the questions that you're asking. Let me say that number one. So thank, thank you. you thank you on behalf of all of us. Number two, I don't know how you pronounce those uh terms in regards to medicine i don't try to pronounce any of them so i don't know if you practice in front of a mirror if you study them (laughs) but every time i try i butcher them but the work you're doing is appreciated i know you got a little bit of a cult following around the state of ohio on social media facebook did i see you just join twitter yes (laughs) i am now active again on twitter so hop over say hello and uh let's tweet well, here we go. Keep up the great work. I know Bob's going to have you back on in the future. Thanks for taking the time today. We'll talk soon, Jack. Thanks, Rob. God bless you. Have a great day. All right. That was Jack Windsor from WMFD in Mansfield, Ohio. And he's asked some great questions and doing some great work. But after the break, we're going to talk, we're going to talk to the callers. 216-901-0945. Let me try that again. 216-901-0945. You're listening to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. (music) 
Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Rob Walgate sitting in for Bob on this, what looks like, Derek, beautiful Friday morning out there. I know some storms supposed to roll in later today, but hopefully uh, something can take care of those, whether it's climate change, global warming, something, move those storms away and we can enjoy a beautiful Friday. Well, somebody get Greta on it. (laughs) Greta is on a panel coming up. You know, I always feel bad talking about Greta. I, 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 because I feel bad for her. I do. A young girl put in that position. You know what? Flat out, she's being exploited by so many people because of their agenda. Now, I know many would say that's her agenda. She's 16 years old. Let me tell you something. I, I think back to me at 16. Well, I think about me last week wasn't mature enough to hold a position, maybe. But the thought of how they've exploited that young lady. It's heartbreaking to think about, isn't it? It's child abuse. It's just cut and dry child abuse. There's no reason you should put a, a an, an autistic 17-year-old oh. kid on stage in front of America to just absorb all this ridicule. And 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 do it in such a lecturing, condescending fashion. It, we we in this country, and this is what I've noticed from so many is we want to say we're anti-bully. That's what we want to say. But yet we promote people that bully others when someone doesn't agree with them. And that's a perfect example of the way she's allowed to lecture and bully others. And it's it's crazy to say that about a 17-year-old kid. But when you watch, so uh, let's go back to the phone lines before the break. Uh, John in Lakewood. John, how are you today? Oh, all I can tell you is this. The biggest polluter in this country is talking points. Not chemicals, not fertilizers, or anything else. The biggest elephant in the room, American expression, is I want to know why, in a primary election in some states, the candidate doesn't have to be registered to any particular party. Then general election comes, they have a piñata. They have to set up a guy who can be defeated. If this is what the founding fathers wanted, I don't think so. I'm only 85 years. Well, no, I understand what you're saying, and and here's here's the deal when it comes to that the found let's talk, if we want to talk about what the founding fathers wanted, let's talk about what the founding fathers warned us about. They warned us about political parties. They warned us not to fall in love with them. And if you ask me, what mistake has America made over the past however many years you want to go back, it's that we've fallen in love with political parties. That's where the allegiance is gone. We've lost our freedom in that sense to be free agents, to go out there and support anyone. My boss, Dave Zanotti of the American Policy Roundtable, wrote a book, Free Agents. It's available to our website. Encourage everyone to check it out. There's a little little plug in case the boss is listening. Always nice to keep him uh, stay in his good graces. But no, he talks about this at length. I talk about it at length in the work that we do. Um, we have fallen in love with political parties and look at the road that it has led us down. So uh, I, I would step away from the political party process. Um, that doesn't mean, again, if you run for office, you can put an RD next to your name, but don't let that be what defines you. Let the principles that you stand for define you because the party, when you fall in love with the party, it's going to let you down. Hank in Hudson, good morning. How are you this morning, Hank? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you? Wonderful. Say the whenever I listen to all these uh, statistics that I hear, and uh, I really appreciate your um, guest 
Jack, who asks uh, some of these more tough questions. The question I wanted to have answered is, on a year-over-year basis, maybe for the last five years, uh, nationally or at least state-by-state, I would love to know what the death rate was uh, in the last five years in the the same time frame. So I'm in the investment world. So give me facts. Let me see what the death rate was year-over-year for the last five years compared to now. And I bet we'd be surprised that it's not more. What? Right. No, a um, couple thoughts on that. One, I know in the state of Ohio right now, I believe from January 1 to today, we're running about even from two, from 2019 to 2020. I know we're at about even. That's number one. Some states are behind in death rate. Nationally, we're a little ahead of where we've been. But when you go back and look at the numbers, I'm going to give you a number. Go back and look at 2018. Look at the jump early in the year, January, February. There was a huge jump because of the virus that was here then that didn't get a lot of attention or a lot of discussion, as well as some other years in the past. So great question. You're listening to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 